You guys this morning, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, we have been journeying through the Gospel of Matthew over the past couple of weeks, looking at the parable stories. And these parables are intended by Jesus to teach us about the kingdom of heaven. This is Matthew's language for what he's talking about, what God is going to do in our lives and in our world in order to bring us back to God. He talks about the kingdom of heaven. And it's a beautiful image. And so Jesus repeatedly, over and over again throughout the Gospel, uses these parables in order to illustrate to tell us this is what it's like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what heaven is like. And so we've looked at a couple of these different parables over the course uh, of the last couple weeks. We looked a couple weeks ago at the parable of the soils. And the parable of the soils is the first parable we started with, and it starts by defining these different types of soil. And all these different types of soil hear the word of God, but only some of them begin to bear fruit. And this is really important in the, in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, it's really important that the followers of Jesus bear fruit. And what he means when he says bear fruit is that we live lives that look like Jesus, that our actions reflect the teachings of Jesus, the life of Jesus. And so we talked about that a couple weeks ago. We've also talked about the parable of the, the uh, wheat and the weeds. Uh, John Mark did a great sermon on the wheat and the weeds. We talked about the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. We've talked about the parable. Uh, last week, we actually talked about the parable of the unforgiving servant. And I love that parable because that parable teaches us that God's grace is bigger than any sin in our life. God's grace is bigger than all the sin in our life. It's a beautiful story, and, and God invites us to participate in that kind of forgiveness with one another. So today, you may notice as you look around the room that we have a few visitors with us who are usually not in the room still with us at this time of our service. Uh, so if you are a child between the ages of, uh, what is it, two and second grade, can I, can I hear a little shout from all the kids who are between the ages of two and second grade? I don't, I don't think they're listening. Can I hear a shout from the people who are between the ages of two and second grade? We'll work on it. We're going to have to practice that some more. But we're so excited that our kids are joining us here for just a few more minutes. We're so excited that we're here. But these parables, kids, they teach us about the kingdom of heaven. And so I'm interested. I really am. Kids, I'm interested. I want to know, what do you think heaven is like? Shout it out. What do you think heaven's like? I see you thinking. Anybody got any ideas? Oh, it's like, who said that? Who said Disneyland? Geneva? Did you say it's like Disneyland? Disneyland. That's perfect. Simone, what do you think heaven is like? Is it like thumbs up? Can, can I see some thumbs up? Yeah, yeah, some thumbs up. Anybody else? What do you think heaven is like? Tori? It's like life. It's like perfect life, right? Yeah. Okay, keep thinking about that, kids. I remember when I was a kid, I thought about the kingdom of heaven, and I was like, man, it's like gold streets. It's like perfect air conditioning. Uh, it, it, the kingdom of heaven is like anything that I want happens. Like if I want an ice cream sundae right now. Kids, how many of you guys like ice cream sundaes? Anybody? Yeah, a lot of you. If I want an ice cream sundae right now, the kingdom of heaven is ice cream sundaes. That's what I thought the kingdom of heaven was like. That's what I thought heaven was all about, is I thought it was about getting what I want. But the parables of Jesus, kids, listen to this, this is awesome. The parables are not about getting what you want, but it's about God's perfect world. Parables teach us what the kingdom of heaven is like. And in God's perfect world, God loves us all so dearly. And he wants us to be in that world with him. He wants us to be in the kingdom of heaven. He wants us to, to begin living that way now. 
And so I'm so glad that our kids are going to join us here for just a few more minutes. Uh, as we uh, get into this parable for today, I think you're going to really be excited to learn about this, kids and adults, because the parable for today teaches us that God is generous and he takes care of everyone. God is generous and he takes care of everyone. So I want to read this parable before we dismiss our kids to go to children's church. Uh, this is a parable found in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 20. And uh, so if you want to begin turning over to that passage, you can. Uh, there's a Bible right in the pew in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible or a phone with the Bible on it, you can turn over to page 1,529 and you'll find our story for today. Uh, but as we read this, I think I'm going to need some help. Uh, I wasn't going to do this, but I've, just, I've changed my mind. Kids, can I have some help? To, Destiny wants to help. Destiny, come on up. Uh, Anaya, will you help me too? No. Parker? Yeah? Uh, I need some guys. Paolo. Will you help me, Paolo? Yeah, come on. You want to. No, you don't want to? Tori? No. Jariah? No. Well, yeah, come on. Come on, Davidsons. All of you. All, I need all the Davidsons. Come on. I can count on the Davidsons. Okay, yeah, perfect. Yeah, just line up right here. This is going to be great. All right, so I'm going to read this story, and I'm going, to, I'm, going to use, I'm going to use our kids. Our kids are going to be our workers in the story. This is the parable of the vineyard owner and the workers. And actually, I do need, I need a vineyard owner. Uh, who, who's the most responsible between all of you guys? <laughs> Destiny, come stand over here. Perfect. Destiny is going to be our vineyard owner for today. And as I read this story, here's what I want you to do. Is, uh, well, here, let me turn the microphone off real fast. I'm going to give her some instruction. She knows exactly what to do. Okay, so this is Jesus teaching. He says in uh, chapter 20, verse 1, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. Raise your hand, right here. It's like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And after he agreed with the workers to pay them a denarian, a denarian is like one day's wage. Uh, it's the perfect amount for one day's work. He sent them out into his vineyard. Then, okay, so did you get some workers? Can we get some workers for that first group? Yeah, one, two, okay, two, perfect, two's good. Bring them over here. Y'all are working in the field, okay? Perfect, thank you guys. Verse three, you're gonna have to really divide these guys up because there's a lot more groups. Verse three, he went around nine in the morning, he saw other people still standing around. Do you see them? Okay, go grab them. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. Yeah, just one of them, just one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You guys keep standing around because you're, you're, you're still coming. Okay, so they went. Again, around noon, he went and he found some more people. He saw that they were standing around. He did the same thing. Just one of them. Yeah, come on, come work. Perfect. Again, around five in the afternoon in verse six, he went and he found others still standing around. Mac is still, it's five in the afternoon. The day is almost over. And Mac is still just standing around doing nothing. So he finds, uh, she finds some more people around five in the morning and found them standing around. He said to them, why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day long? Can you say that? Yeah, why are you just standing here, Mac? Come on and work. Come on and work. And Mac said, because nobody has hired us in verse seven. He responded, you also go into the vineyard. Now when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the workers and give them their wages. So call all these workers who are, they're all hard at work. Call, call them over here. Yeah, here they come. Perfect. Destiny is doing fantastic. Okay, so now, yeah, she's getting Palo. Destiny, beginning with the last ones hired first. Who was the last one hired? Was that Mac? Beginning with the last ones uh, hired first and moving on finally to the first, he began to pay them. 
When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, that's Mac, each one received a denarian. A denarian, do you remember what a denarian is, Mac? I said it a second ago. It's like the perfect wage for one day. You received a denarian, okay? Now, when those hired first, who was hired first? Okay, Parker, Anaya, you guys were hired first. When those who were hired first came, they grumbled against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked one hour, they said, and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But, Destiny, you replied to them and said, friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you one denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one, Mac, I want to give to this one uh, who was hired last the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do with what I want what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I'm generous? So those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. All right, thank you guys so much. Thanks, Destiny. Thank you, everybody, for coming on up. So in this story, Jesus has the landowner pay everybody the same amount of money. Uh, so the people who started working, they only worked for one hour. They received the same amount of money as those who had worked all day in the hot sun. And when the people who heard this, the people who were hired first, people like Parker and Anaya, when they heard this, they were mad. They were so upset. They said, this isn't fair. We worked all day in the hot sun, and we got the same as the people who only worked for one hour. And so, kids, uh, those of you especially who are involved in this, is this fair? Yeah. Destiny, you think it's fair? Well, that, you were the landowner, so of course you think it's fair. <laughs> what, do you guys think this is fair? For the per people who only worked one hour to be paid the same as those who worked the whole day. Adults, what do you think? Do, is this fair? No, it's not fair. But the landowner wants to be generous because the landowner cares for everybody. And so kids, before you guys go to Children's Church today, what I want you to hear is that God is generous and God wants to take care of us all. Thank you guys for being here with us this morning. I want to go ahead and dismiss you guys with Miss Shaleen. We're going to head on down to Children's Church, and while they go, we're going to sing a song together. Father of mercies, day by day, my love to thee grows more and more. Thy gifts are strewn Yeah.
So we tell this story, this story of the parable of the vineyard owner and the workers. And I really do think that when we hear this story, we ask the question, how can this possibly be fair? Does anybody else ask that question when you read this story? I ask that question when I read it. How can this be fair, that those who are hired last get the same amount of pay as those who were hired first? Uh, think about, many of you have a background in business. Think, of, think about your job. If this was the way that our world operated in our businesses, w- would that work, do you think? No. Billy Faye says, no way. That would not work. This would not work. Our economy, think about our economy here in the United States. Would our economy benefit from this kind of of generous extravagance of giving to those who barely work the same amount as we give to those who work all day? What do you think? Nothing. We're not thinking anything on that one. No, it wouldn't work. Our economy is built on this idea that we can pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps, that we can do the hard work, and if we do the hard work, we'll, we'll receive the reward, right? That's how our economy is built. That's how our entire establishment, our entire society is built. And so when we hear this kind of story, we wonder, God, what are you trying to teach us? What are you trying to tell us? Because this doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem like this would work. And this is a really important point for us today, because I, I, and I love this, because what Jesus is doing in this parable is he's not giving us a lesson on business or economics. He's not telling us how our society should or shouldn't operate. In fact, he's doing something completely different, because he's saying, yeah, if your society works and operates that way, what I'm trying to teach you right now is a totally different way of living in the world. It's not a way that, that works according to the world. It's not a way that promotes business. It's not a way that promotes uh, a gain or reward. Instead, it's the kingdom of heaven. And this is why Matthew is so intent on teaching us this. He's so, this is so important to him that we understand that what, what we are hearing about what God's kingdom looks like, what the heaven, heavenly world looks like, it doesn't look like this world. It doesn't operate according to the rules of this world. It looks different. And if we're going to live in it, Jesus asks us to live differently. He asks us to do things a little bit differently. But we're going to come back to that here in just a minute because Jesus is inviting us to a different kingdom. But before we talk about that kingdom, I want to talk about us. Because if, if you're like me, and I think some of you maybe are like me, uh, you've probably before in your, in your life felt the, the attitude. You, you've maybe even said this phrase, I'll show you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about when I say that? I'll show you. This idea that if somebody does you wrong, you're going to show them what's right. Anybody, uh, is it just me? There's like two or three of you raising your hand, okay? There's more than you out there than that. But this idea that if somebody does me wrong, I'm going to show them what's right. But even better than that, not just I'm going to show them what's right, but I hope they fall on their face when they get it wrong. You know, anybody else want to confess this morning? Ryan, thank you. Yeah, we, we do this. We absolutely do this. Trust me. This idea that if somebody does me wrong or somebody treats me a way that I don't like, oh, yours is coming. Yours is coming. We have this attitude within us. We have this idea. And I love this idea because uh, it's within all of us. I actually really don't love it. But I love that we all experience this together. That this is not unique to one of us or just a handful of us. This is something that many of us feel at different points in our life. That when somebody does us wrong, we have this attitude of, I'll show you. I'm going to prove you wrong. In fact, I remember this time when Rebecca and I were planning our wedding. Oh, this is great. Uh, She had this idea. And she just knew it was going to be awesome. And in my my mind, I was like, "Uh uh-uh. It's not going to be good. It's going to be terrible. And I couldn't wait for it to fall on her face. I couldn't wait for it to happen and just go terribly wrong. This didn't happen, you guys. I'm just trying to pick. No, no laughs this morning? Come on. 
She picked everything for our wedding, and it was beautiful. It was lovely, you guys. I don't ever feel that way towards my wife. But we have this idea within us, this I'll show you attitude, this idea that we're going to prove that we know what's best, that we know what's right. And in fact, that's exactly the kind of attitude that the people in this story have. Did y'all notice that? The people in the story, the workers, the ones who were hired first, they have this exact attitude. They have this attitude that when they get paid at the very end, they get paid the same amount as those who worked only one hour in the day. They start to complain and they start to grumble because they know that it's not fair. They know that it's not right. But when the landowner comes back and says, this is what we agreed to. We agreed, when I hired you, I agreed to pay you this wage. And so I'm not cheating you. I'm not doing you any wrong. I'm simply doing something generous and extravagant for those who came after you. I'm, I'm working for those who came after you, not just for you alone. And this is such an important idea that I want us to grasp this morning, that when we think we can come to God, like the, the workers did to the, to the vineyard owner, when we come to God, when we think we can come to God and tell God that he's doing things wrong, that we're about to learn a very important lesson about who God is. Because that's what, the, that's what the vineyard workers do. They come to the vineyard owner and they say, you're doing this wrong. They have the attitude of, uh, of, I'll show you. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And so they come to the vineyard owner and they begin to tell him, they begin to say, this isn't the way things are supposed to work. Uh, Jesus, clearly you haven't been at this very long. Uh, the people who work the longest should be paid the most. And they have this idea that they're going to teach God what's right. They're going to show God how he should live and what he should do because they know what's best. And I think, if we're honest, all of us have this within us, this idea that we know what's best. Now, we might not always feel it or say it towards God, but maybe the person sitting next to you this morning, maybe sometimes we feel it towards that person, or the person at your job, maybe sometimes we feel it towards a boss or a coworker of, I know what's best, and you just need to listen and pay attention to me. And look, I know that, that this can be difficult because it sounds like I'm picking on you. I'm really not. We're all in this boat together. Because we often think we know what's best. We think we have this great sense of judgment, of justice, of what's right and what's wrong. And oftentimes we're, we're right. Sometimes we really do know what's right and we know what's best. And I'm not suggesting that whenever something happens in our world that we just ignore it and pretend like God's going to deal with it and we don't have to do anything. Because we absolutely should stand up when there's something wrong going on. We should stand up and say that's wrong and try to change it and try to fix it. But in this story, the attitude of these workers, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus... That's not the way it's supposed to work. In fact, to kind of prove that point to you, I want to look at the passage that comes right before Jesus tells this parable. Because as so many of Jesus' parables do, the passage that comes right before it leads Jesus directly into the parable that he tells. So if you've still got your Bibles open, turn over with me to Matthew chapter 19. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles out still, you can turn back over to page 1,529. And it should be right, uh, right before this story that we read in uh, chapter 20. But look at what it says in chapter 19, starting in verse 23. Uh, Jesus has been teaching, and, and Jesus says to his disciples, I assure you that it will be very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. When his disciples heard this, they were stunned. Then who can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them carefully and said, it's impossible for human beings, but all things are possible for God. And look at what Peter says in verse 27. Peter replies and he says, look, we've left everything and followed you. What will we have? What will we have? Now Jesus goes on to answer Peter's question here before he gets to the parable, but this parable comes right on the heels of this encounter where Peter asks, we've left everything. What's in it for us? 
That question sounds a lot like the, the question that the people in the vineyard are asking of the vineyard owner. They come to the vineyard owner and they say, we worked all day and they only worked an hour. What, aren't we supposed to get more? What's in it for us? You're paying everybody the same wage, but we did all the work. And Jesus is trying to teach us something about the kingdom of heaven. Because remember, the kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdoms of this world. The kingdom of heaven doesn't operate like the kingdoms of this world. It doesn't make sense in this world, but in God's world. In the world that God is attempting to create through us, through the church, through the body of believers. This is what Jesus is inviting us to participate in. It's not anymore asking the question of what are we going to get? What will we have? What's our reward? What's our incentive? Because in the kingdom of heaven, working for this future reality that God is trying to bring about is not about a wage. It's not about a reward. It's not about getting what we think we deserve. Because God's grace is not fair. Do we all believe that? Do we believe that God's grace is not fair? Thank God it's not. Because if God's grace was fair, I think probably a lot of us would be in a lot of trouble. Probably every single person in this room would be in a lot of trouble. But God's grace is not fair. But God is generous. And he wants to give extravagantly to each and every one of us. So no, God's grace isn't fair. But in this kingdom, in this reality, God is teaching us, Jesus is teaching us, that in the kingdom of heaven, we can begin to live, we can begin to understand that our lives aren't built on the kingdom of this world anymore. They're built instead on what God is doing in us and through us. If there's one thing that I want you to walk away from today knowing, it's that God's grace is not fair, and thank God it's not. Because since God's grace is not fair, it can be for you, just like it's for me. Because God's grace is not fair, it's for all of us, even the people who only work in the field for one hour. Jesus' disciples, they really struggled to understand this because they're the ones who followed Jesus the longest, right? If they were in the story, they would be the people who, who were hired at the very first part of the day. They were hired and they worked all day. They, they worked in the hot sun. They were following Jesus through the, the good times and the bad. And when Jesus comes along and tells this story and says, even the people who only work for one hour, they're going to get the same payment, the same reward as you. It really makes the disciples struggle to understand why have they been doing this. Peter asks, what are we going to get? Shouldn't we get something more important, something more valuable? We've worked longer. And yet Jesus says, that the vineyard owner, God, is generous. And he wants to take care of everyone. And so no, Peter, you won't get a special reward. And yet you still get the reward of God's grace, the gift of God's grace. God's grace isn't fair, and thank God it's not, because that means it can be for each and every one of us. If there's a second thing, you've heard the one thing, but if there's a second thing I want you to walk away from today knowing, it's that the attitude that we should have towards God's grace is that of joy and not of jealousy. Did you notice in the story that the, the vineyard workers, they come to Jesus and they're grumbling, they're complaining, they're upset because the kingdom of heaven doesn't work the way the kingdom of the world works. And they're upset about it. They're jealous because they've been working all this time. But those who barely worked at all, they get the same reward. Jesus names our sin in this story. The sin of jealousy. The sin of envy. The sin of complaining towards others. In fact, I really like the way a couple of commentators talk about this parable, and so I want to read you two quotes back-to-back by two different commentators. The first one is a a guy by the name of M. Eugene Boring, which has got to be the worst name for a a, a biblical commentator in the whole world. His last name is Boring. But uh, what he says is really great. He says this, Those who had worked all day begin not by objecting to the grace others had received, but by expecting that they themselves will receive more. That's the problem in this story. It's not that we're upset that God is generous. It's that we think we deserve more 
of God's generosity. And so yes, today we might not be upset that other people receive God's grace, but maybe within us we have this little kernel of doubt in the back of our minds saying to us, shouldn't we get more? We're the ones who are in the church. We're the ones who are doing the work. Shouldn't we get more? But not in the kingdom of heaven because God is gracious to all. R.T. France says it like this. He says, God is like this. His generosity transcends ideas of fairness. No one receives less than they deserve, but some receive far more. And what I would add to his quote this morning is that some includes all of us. All of us. We receive far more from God than we should. We receive far more from God than we deserve because God's grace isn't fair, but he offers it to all of us through Jesus. He offers his grace to each and every one of us. So God's grace shouldn't lead us into a spirit of jealousy. It should lead us into a spirit of joy. It should lead us to thinking about the kingdom of heaven in a different way than we think about the kingdoms of this world. Because the way the kingdom of heaven operates wouldn't work in this world. It wouldn't work according to, to economics or business or, or, or politics or anything else we could mention today. But the kingdom of heaven works because God has called us, those who are undeserving of God's grace, into this kingdom to live this way today, just like it's a reality, like it will be one day in the future. And we can live in this kingdom today. We can live joyously in God's grace, knowing that we don't deserve it. And yet God is generous and he gives it to all of us. And so church today, I hope that we will choose joy. I hope that this week that you will choose joy because God's grace is for you. God's grace is bigger than any sin that you could have in your life. It's bigger than all the sin in your life. God is generous and he wants to give his grace to all of us and he does it without thinking about who deserves it most. Because if we're honest, we know that none of us deserve it most. And yet God gives it to us anyway. And so I hope that we choose joy. I hope that we choose joy even in the face of difficult circumstances. Because I know that when you came here today, some of you, it was incredibly difficult for you to get to church this morning. Whatever it was, going, something going on in your life, something going on in your family, in your job, it was difficult to get here this morning. And I hope that you'll choose joy this week. Not pretending like that life isn't difficult and, and that things aren't going on in your life, but I hope that you'll choose joy because of God's kingdom, because of God's grace coming on this earth as it is in heaven. For those of you who it was incredibly easy for you to get here this morning, you were so excited to see some of your friends, some of your community, some of your church family, I hope that you'll choose joy this week. A joy that transcends ideas of happiness or comfort or ease, but joy that in every situation in life that you're a testimony to the grace that God has given to you. Church, let's choose joy this week. Let's choose joy because of God's grace. This morning, as we do every week, we offer an invitation. And here in just a moment, we're going to sing a song, and our elders are going to gather around the room with their wives, and they would love to pray with you. They really would. If there's something going on in your life, it was difficult for you to get to church this morning, please come and spend some time in prayer with our elders and their wives. Uh, that's why they're here. They want to pray for you. They want to be there for you in those difficult moments. And today, if you want to join the kingdom of heaven, if you want to join in the workers in the vineyard, if you want to become a part of the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, we invite you to come and do that through baptism. Please come while we stand together and worship. I've heard a 